you guys can give it up for our wonderful cast. Oh man. Well, hello everyone. Hi. Hey, my name is Sarah Danes. I said it earlier and Mikey said this as well, that the reason we wanted to switch things up a little bit for those of you guys who have been with us in the past and know that typically and historically we've started this chapel with the opener is because we wanted your guys' minds engaged to the words that were being said. We don't want you guys to be here and be merely entertained because this topic of truth that we're talking about this week could not be more timely, could not be more critical than ever before. So let me pray for us and then we're gonna open up the word together and we're gonna talk about what the heck did we just see and where are we going this week? So let me pray. Father God, we come before you tonight, Lord. God, I am so excited for what you have in store this week of camp. God, I know that where your word is taught, it will not return void. God, and I thank you for that promise. God, I pray for all my friends in the space this week, God, as they, as they encounter the living God, the creator of the universe, as they hear from the teaching of your word, God, I ask that our lives would be transformed and changed. Lord, I pray that this topic is something that we would take seriously God, and I pray that we would enter this chapel every single time from a place of humility. God, that maybe we don't know best. God, I ask that for us this week. Father, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, you're going to open up to Genesis chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Two things. First, if you've brought your Bible to camp, but you forgot to bring it to chapel, that's okay, but make sure that you bring it to every single chapel because what we're gonna teach from the word this week is not something that we want you guys to just take our word for, but that it would be something that you follow along, that we go, man, what we're saying comes right from God's word. Secondly, if you did not bring a Bible to camp at all, then I'm gonna ask that you would do this now, that you would stand on up, that you would go along the side of the chapel to the back and our lead counselors have a Bible that they would love to give to you to cherish and to keep forevermore. So if that's you and you didn't pack a Bible, please quietly stand up and go up the sides. Well, let me start with some of the things that maybe are less important so that no one misses this. And if you're gonna do it, be quiet, please, while you do it. So my name is Sarah Danes. For those of you over here, I think you know, I grew up in a Tascadero. Yeah, do you guys know a Tascadero? Or you just were getting excited for me? Turns out they don't know what Tascadero is. So I grew up in a Tascadero. I have two brothers. I have an older brother and I have a younger brother and they are the absolute best. I love them to death. I moved to Hume in 2016. How old were you guys in 2016? 11. Uh, if I ask a lot of questions about age this week, it's because I'm having an existential crisis about getting older. <laughs> it's fine. Age is normal, right? Who said maybe? <laughs> you, you. It is normal. Oh, man. Well, hey, it's a privilege for me to be here with you guys this week. We're going to have an awesome week. It seems as if most of you guys have gotten your Bibles. You're sitting back down. So open up to Genesis chapter 3. What I want to point out for you guys, where we started in our opener, we started in our present generation. The words that were being spoken are things that we, we, many people, believe in today's culture. 
that you can have your own version of truth. We have phrases that are used every single day, my truth, live your truth, do what's true for you. And yet when you go to the word of God, Jesus in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And so we live in this culture that says, no, 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 no. You define your own versions of truth. Whatever you feel, whatever you want to believe, that can be your truth. It's something we call relative truth, where truth can be true for one person, but not necessarily the next. And yet when you read the word of God, we find that truth is absolute, that it's true for everyone. What is written in this word is true for every single person, whether you believe it, whether you like it, whether you accept it, the creator of the universe is king over all over every single person. And so in our opener, we started going, man, here's this world that we live in, that autonomy is the aim, that we can be our own gods, we can make our own version of truth. We all walk around believing that, oh, this is true because I believe this, and you can have your truth because this is my truth. And then we flip a switch and we say, hold up, hold up, this is not new. Let's rewind and go back to the very, very beginning. And why do we do that? Because the very first question asked in the Bible is an attack on truth. And it's exactly what you saw right here. So look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I love this because we finish the opener and then we go to God's word and what you just saw is exactly what is in the text. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? And there's something about this word actually or really when someone uses it and then instantly you're like, wait a minute, I thought that I knew what time I was supposed to be at chapel, but they said, is it actually at seven? And you're like, <laughs> what? I don't know. Right? So this word actually, what it does, it plants doubt in the mind of Eve. And so the serpent says, did God actually say right here, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He's just asking a question, right? And the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And so what we saw in the garden where God has said and established, man, all of this, you can enjoy all of this except this one thing. Rather than Eve trusting what God has said and established as the serpent plants the seed of doubt in her mind, she chooses what is right in the sight of her own eyes. Rather than trusting what God has said, she chooses what is right in her own eyes. And this is the very same thing that we do today, right? Many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us are familiar with the word of God. Many of us have probably grown up in the church or at least have been surrounded by people who have some sort of Christian morals, right? You're like, WWJD, what does it mean? What would Jesus do, right? We all have these familiarities with what the text says. And for some of us, we've been raised in the church and we know exactly what the text says. But instead of trusting what God has said and established, 
We choose what is right in the sight of our own eyes. Maybe that's because we go, man, Lord, this is a hard truth. Who can believe this or who can hear this? And so rather than submitting my will to the will of the Father, I'm going to just go, "Mm, that's the truth of the Bible, but I'm going to hold this truth right here. Right? We all do this or we all have experienced this. And why do we do this? Well, because if we're honest with ourselves, it said this in the very beginning of the opener, because autonomy is the goal. Being our own gods, being in control of our own lives, being able to be like, well, I want this to be true, so therefore it is true, is something that if we're honest, many of us desire. Many of us want to define our versions of truth or define what we get to do with our lives rather than submit our will to the God of the universe. And I said this earlier, all of us, whether or not you would claim that you are a Christ follower and that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, every single person in this room sits under the God of the universe and his sovereign will. And in Psalm 47, it says this, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over all the nations. He is seated on his holy throne. Meaning that God is not just, man, I created the world, now I step back, but reigns. He is actively involved with his creation. He is actively involved in what happens. He is actively involved and aware of what is going on in your life. And you don't get to determine your version of truth. This is where our world is at. And how well is it working out for us? If we're honest, you're like, well, not that great. Right? We look around and we see chaos and pain and confusion and brokenness. And I think we have this false idea that if we can all define our own versions of truth, then that's true freedom. Right? I am free because I get to live in whatever version of the world I want to. And yet Jesus in John 80 says the truth will set you free. Not just any truth, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Because he is the only one, the only one who can bring hope to a world that is hopeless. The only one who can bring comfort to a world that is broken. The only one that can bring clarity to a world that is so incredibly confused. And this is where we find ourselves in this generation going, man, we have a world that tells us we can all define our own versions of truth, my truth, your truth, live your truth, do what's true for you. And yet Jesus Christ, the living God, says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so what do we do with that? And that's what we get to talk about this entire week. Our theme verse this summer, flip over to John. It is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is about, I don't know, three quarters of the way. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's our final gospel. And John chapter 18, when you get there, you can give me a yip, yip. Oh, that's how I know you guys aren't asleep. (laughs) Got you. I like it. Balcony, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're still with me. John chapter 18. This is our theme verse for the summer. And just as we've looked at the very beginning of the Bible, we see that this very first question asked in the Bible is an attack on truth, right? Did God actually say these things? Surely he didn't mean what he said. 
And then in John 18, we see this theme continue of this quest for truth. And it says this in John 18, verse 33. Now, uh, well, let me preface this. Where we're reading right now is right before Jesus is delivered over to be crucified. This is at the end, toward the end of his ministry. And so I'm picking up in the end of chapter, in the end of the book of John. Your speaker this week, Brian, he's the best. He has the wonderful task of going through the entire book of John with you. <laughs> Brian, you're welcome. So we're picking up at the end of John. It says John in John 18, verse 33. So Pilate enters his headquarters again and called Jesus and says to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answers, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? So Jesus is going, did you come to this conclusion on your own or did you just hear this from others and that's why you're asking? And Pilate says, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And the reason that Pilate is asking if he's a Jew, if he's saying, man, Jesus, am I a Jew? What have you done? Is because Pilate is not a Jew. Pilate is a Roman official. And he goes, at the end of this, you'll see he washes his hands and he goes, man, I find no guilt in this man. What do you want me to do with him? You want Jesus freed or do you want this man freed? This murderer, this criminal freed, right? And so for, for Pilate, he's going, am I a Jew? I don't really care what the Jews have said that you've done, but your own people, the Jewish people don't even want you. What the heck have you done? And if you look at Jesus's life and you consider what are the things that he has done that upset the Jewish people so bad, why are they so mad? We look at his life, man, he heals the blind, he heals the sick, he makes lame men walk, and he claims to be God, Jesus is not just some man that came 2,000 years ago, walked on earth, died, and is like, yep, great, you guys can do your own thing. Jesus claims that he is God, and you see that over and over and over again in the New Testament. He says that I've come in the authority of the Father. The Father and I are one, and that's why the Jews are pissed, because Jesus is claiming to be God. And so in verse 36, Jesus answers, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate says to him, so you're a king. And Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate responds and says to him, what is truth? They have two very different ideas of what truth is. And Jesus is saying, this is the very reason I came to earth. To bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of me, everyone who claims that Jesus Christ is their savior, listens to my voice. Friend, we live in this world where relative truth reigns, where it is just rampant. We have such an attack on the truth of God's word in our world today, and we always have, right? This is not necessarily new. There's always been opposition to God, to what the Bible says, to his words and yet I think more timely than ever, and for your guys' generation, for you guys to pray and consider and ask the hard questions and say, Lord, if you say that you are the way, the truth, and the life, what does that mean? What does that practically mean for my life? Because there is a world that when you go back down the hill on Saturday is going to tell you that that's false. 
Or that actually, if you want to believe that, that's fine because that's your truth, but not the other person's truth. And for us, for those of us who are in Christ, we have the greatest burden, the greatest urgency, and the utmost joy to in all love and in all kindness boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel to a world that so desperately needs it. I think for a lot of us, maybe why it's hard for us to go, okay, if this is all true, then this is how my life should look. I think it's hard because there are difficult things in the text. Even for me, friends, there are difficult things in the text. I mentioned my family earlier. I love my family. They're special. My oldest brother is like, man, just has such a soft place in my heart. And growing up, he, I would refer to him as like a founding father of my faith, meaning that he was like, Sarah, go to church. It's good for you. Sarah, go to church. It's good for you. We grew up in a pretty like, I don't know, tumultuous home. Tumultuous? Tumultuous. Doesn't matter. Our home life was difficult, right? And so he was the one when I was in middle school to be like, man, you should go to church. It's good for you. You should go to church. It's good for you. And so my oldest brother, when I was, I don't know, 12, 13, got me to go to church. And praise God that in that time I um, surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my days. And my brother, same thing. He was following the Lord. He loved the Lord. And now, present day, if you fast forward, who knows how even long ago that was, 10 years, my brother has now walked away completely from his faith and would say to me, and when we have conversation about, Michael, do you believe that God is the God of the universe and that Jesus is the Savior of the world? He He says to me, Sarah, I just... Honestly, I don't believe that any of that ever happened. And for me, I don't think I cry often. That's not true. If you know me, I cry every day. For me, a a girl who loves her brother so much, who believes the truth of God's word, that when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father through me, that the only way to be right before a holy God is that we would surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, that we would proclaim that he is the savior of my life and your life, and in all faith, I trust him. And for those of us who do not proclaim Jesus as Christ, that do not place our faith in him and believe in our hearts that he is Lord, what the Bible teaches is that we will spend an eternity apart from him in a real place called hell. And friends, when I read this, and when I consider the people closest to me in my life, that is a difficult truth. But that does not for a minute mean that I'm ever going to go, man, Lord, I'm going to take all the other things that I want to believe about your word, but I'm going to leave this one out. Why? Because I believe and I trust that God is the God of the universe, that he knows better than I do. And when I submit my will to him and I claim Jesus is Christ, that means I claim all of it as true. Not just the parts that we want to hear, not just the parts that are easy to hear, Not just the parts that others want to hear, but every single part of the Bible. Every single part about who Jesus is. Every single part about who God is. And so this week, we are going kind of on this truth journey. We're combating this idea that relative truth actually isn't accurate. And that what's found in the Bible is true for everyone. And there's going to be a lot of things this week that I think for many of you, you may be feeling like you're put on your heels a little bit because you're like, man, that really goes against my worldview. That really goes against these cultural norms that I've accepted as truth. That really goes against, you name it, you fill in the blank. But this week we're here to go, friend, would you trust and believe that when Jesus says the truth will set you free, 
that that's accurate, that when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me, that that is true. And so the way that I want to cover this week for you guys, because I do believe and think that there will be some difficult realities that you guys will have to come to terms with, is in 1 Corinthians 13. So flip over there. It's a few more books over. It's still in the New Testament. For anyone who has been to a wedding ever, you've probably heard this passage. You're like, I haven't been to one yet. Trust me, your time will come, and the older you get, the more weddings you go to. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says this. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Friend, I can assure you that when we chose this theme here at Hume Lake, it was not because we wanted to merely insist on our own way of being right. It was not to point fingers and say, man, how silly or how stupid that you believe X, Y, or Z. But it was motivated, actually, two years ago we chose this theme. It was motivated from a genuine place of love for you. Right here, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. We love you too much to allow you to stay in these false ideologies and these false beliefs about what culture has told you is true. And instead, we're going to say, this is what the God of the universe has said for your life. Man, it just, it makes me emotional. Wow, I didn't think I was going to cry. Because there are so many of you in this audience, in a room this size, I have to believe that this is true. That there are many of you who are just caught to and fro of all of the different things that culture is telling you. All of the different things that culture is trying to define you as. And man, this week, our hope and our prayer as Hume Lake, as our staff, as your counselors, as your youth pastors, as Brian is here teaching, is that you would encounter the living God and you would acknowledge and believe and experience that the truth of God's word will set you free. That if all you had was Jesus and all you had was the truth of his word, is it enough for you? Is it enough when your friends turn away from you and say, man, you're a kook. I can't believe you believe that's true. I can't believe you believe that there's only one way to God. I can't believe that you even believe there's a God. And that you would go, man, I have the God of the universe living inside of me for those of us who are in Christ. And I have the truth of his word and I have experienced his good news, good news, goodness. And that that truth and that reality would set you free. This week, for those of you who have been with us, our film looks even a little bit different. Historically, we've gone through a narrative and we've gone like, um, how many of you guys were here last year? Hands up. Oh, oh, right. We went through the character of God. We looked at the book of Moses, the book of Moses, the book of Exodus. We followed the life of Moses. 
And it was set in a Western world. Well, this year, we've done our film in six different spoken word pieces, somewhat similar to what you just experienced in the opener, because we wanted truth to be so clear. And one of the things that we found as we tried to take this concept of truth and then shove it into a world and go, yeah, let's do a truth in a 1970s world, was that what we were asking you guys to do was then understand the world we created, understand the characters in this world, understand the truth that we made up in this made-up world, and then go, do you see how clear God's word is? And it just felt chaotic. And so instead, these videos, all they are meant to do is address the common misconceptions that you guys have about the specific topic that we are teaching through in that chapel. And so the way that this week is broken down, tomorrow morning you're going to get to hear from your speaker, Brian Holland, for the very first time. And he's going to be talking about the truth of God. And we're going to go through the whole book of John. So we're going to look at if God is creator of all of the universe, if he has created all things, if he sustains all things, then he gets to determine and decide how all things work. And then the next tomorrow night, we're going to look at the truth of the scriptures. We're going to look at the Bible. And I think for many of you go, okay, sure, sure, sure. Maybe Jesus was a real person, but how can I believe that what the Bible says is true? How can I believe that it is accurate? We're going to talk about that tomorrow night. We're going to say, look, here's a million reasons, maybe not a million, but here are all of the things that point to the truth of the scriptures. And then we're going to look at Jesus' life and teaching. What does he claim about himself? What are the things that he, the miracles, the signs that he performs in his ministry while on earth? And then we're going to talk about the truth of sin, the reality for those of us who are not in Christ, for those of us who have not surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, the truth of our sin for all of us, is that we're dead in our sin, right? That our sin separates us from a holy God. But when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the only way to be made right before a holy God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that if we are not in Christ, we are separated from Christ. We're going to talk about the glorious, wonderful, wonderful news of the good news of the gospel. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, he looks upon us with love and sends his son to die in our place, to live a life that we could never live and die a death that we deserved. And then finally on the last night, we're going to talk about the fact that, man, if all of these five different things are true, if all of this is real, if all of this is accurate, then what does that mean for you and I as we live out our lives for Jesus Christ? If Jesus truly is the way the truth and the life, not a way, a truth, or a life, then what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean as our responsibility as we go back down the hill on Saturday and proclaim the good news to a world that so desperately needs it? And I would ask, I think there's many of you, many different kinds of people in even chapel tonight. For some of you guys, you've been like, man, I've been walking with the Lord my whole life and this theme sounds great. Yahoo! (laughs) Stoked you're here. There's others of you who are already sitting here going, I don't want someone to read the Bible to me and tell me that what I believe is not true. And I would ask on whatever uh, whatever side of the spectrum you fall and anywhere in between that every time you enter into this chapel that you would be humble and that you would be willing to at least hear what is going to be spoken from the stage. Because I genuinely believe that if you guys make a conscious effort to open your ears and to open your heart and say, man, I'm just going to see what this Jesus thing is all about. 
I think that for some of you, he is going to meet you exactly where you are at. I am so excited for this week. This theme has been incredible so far, and I believe that it's going to be powerful for you guys as well this week. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and then dismiss you guys. When I dismiss you guys, I'm going to dismiss the gentlemen. You guys will go to Memorial Chapel. Ladies, you will stay back here. And then after that, it's going to be free time. Cool? Sound good? Let me pray for us. Father God, I am humbled, Lord, to be used by you. God, I pray for every single person sitting in this space, God. Lord, I just ask that we in our own human effort, God, would humble ourselves and be willing to receive your word. And God, yet we acknowledge, Father, that you alone have the power to save, that you alone, God, can restore a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. So God, I ask that as your word is taught this week, Lord, that you would meet us where we're at, God, as we... As we humble ourselves and draw near to you, God, would you draw near to us? Lord, I pray for our counselors and our youth pastors specifically this week, God. As difficult questions and conversations come up, God, I pray for, Lord, just a spirit of discernment and a spirit of wisdom and knowing how to navigate tough questions. God, I pray for all of our campers, God, that they would know that this is a safe space, Lord, and they can ask even their most difficult questions. Lord, because that's what this week is about. This week is about looking to your word, God, to understand what you say about truth, and God, to better know and deeper love you, Father, so that when we go down the hill, God, that we can in all boldness Proclaim the truth of your word to a world that so desperately needs it. And so, Father, thank you for bringing every single person here this week to camp. God, I have no doubt that that was intentional. God, I know that every single person here is meant to be here. And so, God, I I thank you for that. God, I thank you for this week. Lord, would you be with us? God, as we open your word, as we sing to you in worship. God, we are excited for what you have in store this week. We love you and praise things in your name. Amen.